This is The Mudroom, uncommon sense parenting classes with your parenting coach, Alana Robinson. Weekly nuggets of developmentally appropriate parenting wisdom to help you parent your toddlers, preschoolers, and kindergartners more effectively with less effort. The Mudroom is recorded live on Facebook every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Now, here's Alana. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Mudroom, our weekly free uncommon sense parenting class. How is everyone today? I hope you all got spoiled rotten for Mother's Day. I'm interested, how do you generally prefer to celebrate Mother's Day? Because like personally, I prefer to celebrate it by getting away and having some quiet time. I'm a little uncomfortable with the idea of being celebrated, to be honest. And my idea of a great time is relaxing and doing jack all. So I much prefer to get a break. But I know many moms want to do something with their kids, so I'd love to know what you got up to. It was my birthday and Mother's Day, but my husband is away. So we took my mom out for high tea, and then I brought my boys home, and I spent my birthday being a complete and total blob. <laughs> I just chilled, and I took the kids to school, and I had a bubble bath, and I took a nap, I ate my favorite foods, I watched some TV, I read a book, it was fabulous. So. I hope you also had a great day, whatever that looked like for you. Today, we're going to be talking about creating magic for our children without misleading them. This topic always comes up around the holidays that have mascots like Christmas and Easter, but it also comes up a lot around like the tooth fairy and other quote unquote magical characters that are facilitated by mom and dad. And even things like superheroes or princesses or Pokemon, those like mythical creatures. Before we get into it, however, allow me to introduce myself. If you're new around here, hi, my name is Alana Robinson and I'm a parenting coach for parents of toddlers, preschoolers, and kindergartners. I help you understand why your children are misbehaving and how to fix it without yelling, shaming, or timeouts. I'm your host here on The Mudroom. I'm also the host of the Parenting Posse Facebook group and I'm the creator of the Parentability Program where I help you raise well-behaved kids of your own. So if you're watching, say hi and don't forget to like and subscribe so you never miss another class. Okay, so where's the line? <laughs> How can we allow our children to experience magic and their imagination while still keeping their feet firmly planted on the ground? Let's get the big question out of the way first. There is absolutely zero evidence that allowing your children to believe in Santa, the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, Spider-Man, Batman, or Princess Elsa is in any way, shape, or form damaging to them, short or long-term. Now, I know a few early childhood theorists have advocated against allowing children to engage in fantasy. Plato, Rousseau, Montessori, among others, the argument being that children under the age of six are quote unquote incapable of understanding reality versus fantasy and therefore exposing them to fantasy sets them up for unrealistic expectations and possibly even danger. One thing that should stick out to you is that all of those theorists are old with a capital O, like over 200 years old. We have research now that shows that not only is fantasy not damaging, but it has a lot of developmental benefits. Remember, these were theorists, not scientists. They had an idea and they had evidence to support their idea, but the research didn't back their theory up in the long run. If you think back to 200 plus years ago, that was a very different social context. 
Fantasy or unrealistic stories were often used to control people or to teach a lesson. Like, have you ever cracked an old copy of Anderson's fairy tales or Aesop's fables or Grimm's fairy tales? I happen to have a very old copy of Grimm's, which was given to me by my great uncle. They're horrific. They're full of blood and gore and maiming and people getting horrible things done to them to get what they want. <laughs> the purpose of these stories were to scare people, to control them with fear, mainly children. It was fear-mongering. They were trying to scare them into compliance. So when you look at the media available at the time, it makes sense that these old theorists were like, mm, let's not control children through fear. Because yes, a toddler doesn't have the ability to discern that when a story says there's a wolf in the woods that will eat you if you stray off the path, that it's trying to teach you not to talk to strangers and follow directions. <laughs> they don't have that ability to perspective take yet. That is not the same as the style of children's media we have now that sole purpose is to plant ideas for children to explore and practice. So look at Paw Patrol, which is arguably the most persistent franchise in a very long time. Others have come and gone, but Paw Patrol is just as big now as it was when my eight-year-old was a toddler. What does it focus on? Teamwork, positive decision-making, solving problems, heroism, bravery and not in a dangerous way. It depicts the things that can go wrong. It walks through decision-making processes. I was never a big fan of Paw Patrol, to be honest, but not because of the content, just because it was like everywhere and the consumerism of it all bothered me. But the show itself is the complete antithesis of the original version of say, Hansel and Gretel or Little Red Riding Hood, apples and oranges. The current research shows that engaging in fantasy helps children to process big emotions. It helps them to practice for real-world situations. It helps them develop theory of mind, which is the ability to understand that everybody is thinking different thoughts. It helps them to learn to perspective take. It helps them learn social skills and conflict resolution skills. It supports joint attention and referencing. It helps them to develop their creativity and ability to think outside the box. It builds emotional intelligence. I could go on and on and on. Even by time like Einstein was on the scene and I wouldn't call him a childhood theorist, but he was a damn smart scientist and it's widely accepted that he told multiple mothers who asked him how to prepare their children to become scientists to read them fairy tales. The first reports of him giving this advice are from 1958, okay? children are actually extremely good at context. They are very aware when something is in their imagination and when it's tangible and real. And that's supported by multiple studies in various aspects of child development. For instance, when we look at the research highlighted in We Don't Play With Guns Here, which is a short book from the UK, it noted multiple times that adults treating fantasy imaginary play as though it had real world consequences that was distressing and confusing to the children, not the fantasy itself. The fantasy itself gave children the safety of the imagination to test drive ideas and process information that wouldn't be easy to experience in reality. And the way that they explained that was like, if you're playing with your child and they like hit you with a sword, for instance, 
and you go, oh, oh, I'm hit. Or you start reprimanding them for hurting you. They're like, well, I didn't mean to hurt you. It was just pretend. I didn't actually mean to kill you, <laughs> right? So it's when adults treat fantasy as though it's real that is confusing to children. So as I said, I'm pretty convinced that fantasy is in fact a very good thing for children. But a lot of parents have difficulty with the quote unquote lying aspect of things like Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, the Easter Bunny. And yes, these can be more confusing than self-initiated play because the support for their existence is so universal, right? Santa's at the mall. His face is on every freaking thing. Adults band together to make gifts appear. Adults band together to make money appear under your pillow when the expectation is set for that. When my youngest lost his first tooth, I was completely unprepared for it because he hadn't told me or his dad that he had a loose tooth. And my older son hadn't started losing teeth till he was almost seven. So when he came home at five from kindergarten, clutching a little treasure chest with a tooth in it, I was, I was taken a little aback. I was shocked. But sure enough, the teacher had gotten all excited about him getting a tooth fairy visit in the school, had these tiny little plastic treasure chests with a fairy imprinted on the lid, and he got to take that home with his tooth inside. I guess kids lose teeth at school fairly frequently. But as long as we treat it like a game that everybody is playing, most typical children get that this is a hoax the adults are all in on. And while they might not get it at three, by the time they're eight and they are starting to perspective take, and have developed theory of mind and have experienced that Santa doesn't manifest the same for everyone, they know it's a game we're all playing, right? So that's my advice. Treat it like a game we're all playing. Don't treat it like reality. You can still create that magic and explore it and experience it without having to treat it like it's real. If you slip up and forget to put the coin under their pillow, you don't have to go to great lengths to justify it and keep the magic alive. Whoops, guess the Tooth Fairy fell asleep on the job last night. Hopefully she'll come get it tonight. Which is exactly what children do when they're playing pretend. They roll with the punches, they improvise. The goal isn't to convince our children that Santa or any of these other characters are real, it's to play the game with them. And if your child does get upset about these characters, then you can empathize with that. You really wish that there was a big bunny who pooped chocolate. You really wish the Paw Patrol was real and you could call them for help. That would be so neat. You can display empathy without ruining it and you can play the game without implying that it's reality. So what do you think? I know every family navigates this differently but if you've had concerns about this, I hope it gave you some ideas and a bit of perspective on how you can involve fantasy while still teaching your children to discern reality and why that's important. If you're struggling with how to apply this to your own family, I encourage you to come and join us in the Parenting Posse and we'd love to talk it out with you. The link for that is in the description. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much for spending some time with me this afternoon and I will see you next week for another Uncommon Sense Parenting class. Bye. You've been listening to The Mudroom on Common Sense Parenting Classes with Alana Robinson. If you like what you just heard, remember to join us live every Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Facebook. 
And don't forget to rate, subscribe, share, and connect with us in the Parenting Posse Facebook group. This has been an Alana Robinson Family Services production.